Well, welcome everyone for another Reimagining Cyber Extra episode. Rob Arrigo, Chief Security Strategist, and Stan Wissman, my co-host, as always, joining me for this conversation, which will focus around critical infrastructure. And Stan, you've been actually working uh, now for a little bit of time on a, a very interesting blog series covering critical infrastructure with a cybersecurity lens pointed right at it. So why don't you take us and walk us through some of the different conversation points relative to the critical infrastructure connection points that you've been getting out there and speaking about? Well, yeah, Rob, if you recall, I mean, in March, uh, we did an episode on the national cybersecurity strategy that the Biden administration released. And I was inspired, if you'd say that, call it that, um, to do a blog series on the critical infrastructure sectors because, you know, their proposition is basically that while it's been working to have a voluntary kind of implementation of cybersecurity controls in some of the sectors, um, it's not working in others. And the security posture in some of these sectors and the operators um, aren't working as well as we'd like them to as far as we're worried about the resiliency of our infrastructure. And again, I, I say that we know that some of the sectors like finance and energy are highly regulated. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to learn more. I, I have experience in some of these sectors, but I um, have, you know, there are 16 of them, right? I mean, there are a whole bunch of different industries represented in these sectors. And I, I wanted to use this blog series as a way of sort of learning more. Nice. I think it's a great, um, a great aspect to be able to take it into a blog series to kind of break them down. I know you're not doing all of them, but break them down for some of them and, um, and connect them back in. But I think it's also pretty important for people to understand that there are 16, right? I think many times people think the terminology critical infrastructure, and we're thinking about more like energy sector, for example, right? You're right. thinking about, yeah. So, so it's, it's different. There's a lot more behind it actually that, um, that people don't take into account. Healthcare is part of this finance is part of this. There's a lot behind it. And then there's other elements even within each of the sectors, if you will. Right. Right. I mean, first off, I mean, it's somewhere obvious, Right, you know, like you have a dam sector, right, and you have water, um, and that name sort of is like, okay, well, I know what that is. And yeah. others, you know, that could be a uh, something like again the manufacturing sector, which is very broad, and it supports all the sectors because that is really talking about the the raw materials that go into feeding and supporting other critical infrastructures. Um, but you're right. I mean, as far as you know, one way of thinking about it. In the way I sort of had viewed it going in is you sort of have these independent verticals that operate alongside each other, kind of silos, right? But in reality, a lot of organizations may have um, functions or operate in multiple sectors, right? And so it's a little bit more complicated. And, and one way of describing it is that each sector is a node um, that is interconnected into a whole ecosystem. And each node has inputs and outputs. Um, and can be, again, we've talked about supply chain in the context of software supply chain. You have these supply chain inputs and outputs, and you may have the energy sector taking outputs from the dam and nuclear sectors, and they, it then supplies input into the chemical sector and, you know, there has outputs into the food and agriculture sector. Yeah. I mean, so it's all interconnected. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's really interesting to, to view it that way. Um, and each of the, the blogs I've been trying to focus in on. Uh, cybersecurity threats mm -hmm. and and how we can possibly address some of them. Um, and some of the threats are, as you can imagine, are common, right, among 
the different sectors. I mean, ransomware, which we've talked a lot about, um, certainly these large-scale kind of ransomware attacks, ransomware as a service is impacting mm-hmm. healthcare. We 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 talked about that with Lewis Lerman, right? Um, yes. About the impact of ransomware to the healthcare system, and there are examples of this impacting um, systems internationally, like Ireland and um, the UK had chains that were impacted. Um, but you know, it's also impacting you know, the manufacturing sector. You know, thirteen percent of all ransomware attacks last year were attributed to uh, those in the manufacturing sector. Because again, availability—if your production line is down you're motivated to pay. Um, and so you, you the know, ransomware attackers know that. You're absolutely correct. And I think we, we we talked about this, I believe, in the last extra episode when we were discussing the topic of um, top cybersecurity investments and the CISO response to the survey that had gone out. This was, um, right. again, this was about 250 or so uh, individuals. It was US-focused. Um, but I, I, I leveraged some of those findings as a test bed in that CISO event that mm-hmm. we discussed in the next episode. And to your point, um, raising their hand for still being a top priority, uh, ransomware still being a top priority and how they deal with it uh, was one of the CISOs in the audience that was in manufacturing. And it, it differed. It was interesting, but it differed from many of the other CISOs in other verticals or sectors, if you will. But back to his point of why, as you just said, it's all about the operations. So if, if we literally lose seconds we are losing tons of revenue associated to that because that is the way we operate our time business. Is, time is money. Exactly. Time is money. And, and Dole Foods was uh, a recent example of that where yeah. in February they got hit by one and they had to shut down, I think, 29 different production lines mm. um, as a result of the attack. So, yeah, they're, 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 they're highly motivated to resolve the issue as quickly as possible. Yeah, exactly. Um, another common threat is soft, you know, supply chain risks, and you know, supply chain occurs when attackers target a company's business partners or suppliers, and, and this can be done through like a phishing attack that compromises a network or or a trusted third party, um, or it could be attacking you know software like we've talked about with SolarWinds and mm-hmm. in the episode we had with John Pescatori, um, you know, so. There are ways of mitigating that with uh, some of the, the best practices like Google Salsa, uh, where we, we've talked about that with Dan uh, mm-hmm. Lawrence. Um, but you know, there, there, there are different variants between the different sectors as far as what supply chain issue is most important to them. That's true. And, and we, we're actually just coming off of uh, the 3CX attack, supply chain attack that occurred right at the end of March. And exactly. um, you know, for those kind of just not aware of it. So it's, it's a very large voice over IP provider, right? So they basically think of it kind of call centers. So they provide you a desktop client. Um, I believe the biggest segment that they service is actually um, IT services, IT technology service providers. So there's about 600,000 companies that leverage that technology, uh, about 12 million daily users on the technology. And what basically happened, and they've attributed it back now to um, the Lazarus Group based out of North Korea, that there was malware inserted as part of the development chain back out in updates that were pushed out to the end client. And at that point in time, now Lazarus Group had remote control over the internet back into those environments. So again, into the build process, the release looks like everything's clean, updates are made, 
And now all of a sudden this group has access back into these environments, right? And the, and the Lazarus group may not have been targeting a specific sector or operators and sectors, but that kind of access allows them access to operators in a variety of different Many sectors. Different. Exactly. Right. Um, and they're also, when I was looking at different some of those cyber threats, some that seem to be not unique, but um, of heightened importance uh, in, in specific sectors. For example, um, the business email compromise, or BEC, mm-hmm. is, is one of the most common and costly frauds that's impacting financial firms around the world. BEC can take you know, several different forms, but the most reported one out from the FSI SAC is that it, it really is more around payroll diversion requests or fraudulent mm-hmm. payment requests, either as part of a impersonation scam or a vendor fraud. And, and another one in the energy sector um, is is around you know OT or operational technology. Yeah. You know, if you think about the OT environments, these operators have to work with, and how they are increasingly getting connected to the business networks, which is opening up that attack surface, which previously was sort of viewed the OT side of the house as being kind of isolated. That's right. no longer the case, and the threat actors are increasingly targeting these industrial control systems and SCADA devices that are in the OT environments. And we've had several episodes discussing this, one with Kate Scarcello, Brian Galloway, uh, in the context of like his solar panel um, days yes. when he was at Enphase, and mm-hmm. then most recently with with Ginger Wright from INL. And Ginger was all about how you can actually um, infuse cybersecurity in with your engineering practices. Well, that's, I think there was two different contrasting points in those conversations with Brian and Ginger, right? So Brian had the opportunity uh, at the time he was with the, the organization to um, to kind of build security in from the ground level of what they were doing, the solar energy panels, right. monitoring the systems. Much, uh, I don't want to say easier, but a, a more seamless, let's say, path to be able to take security and bake it in, right? Ginger, from the other side of it, is dealing with, hey, we have all these different legacy OT environments that are now being connected, that are now becoming vulnerable, and we need to figure out how we actually get security baked into it without breaking them. Much, much more of a difficult approach to how you deal with that. But as she said, dealing with that is is, is one kind of major hurdle. The other piece, though, is actually infusing security into anything new, any new projects, anything that we're bringing back into OT environments as brand new capabilities have to have security tied into it. And they're getting great buy-in and, and supporting that. So I think it's just great to see more of the security aspect tied into these things, but just kind of two different really sides of a coin of where these people were within their organizations and having to deal with those type of issues. And, and, and as we have the opportunity to take in all this green infrastructures, you know, build mm-hmm. this out, ensure that we have the security and privacy considerations right? Um, as we were going through it and, and, and educating the people to help ensure that they understand security best practices as they're looking at design alternatives. Um, I think that's going to be very helpful in that process. So, so again, there's some, um, you know, specific kind of threats. You know, again, just another one that comes top of mind is around the manufacturing sector where you're dealing with equipment sabotage and how that can basically take down a, a production line. Um, and, you know, it could be an insider. Um, you, you sort of saw that at Tesla. Uh, I don't know if you recall, but several years back, it turns out there was an insider who 
you know, Elon Musk was like pulling his hair out trying to figure out why the production line was having issues um, over in his plant over in California. And it turned out there was an insider that mm. was actually sabotaging uh, some of the uh, robotic equipment uh, that he had going on there. So it's sort of like, what? Right. Um, but but those are the kind of things that could really greatly impact um, some of these operators. But in general, I think, you know, the the message that was essential, um, essentially trying to come out into the cybersecurity strategy uh, was that all sectors need to become more cyber resilient, which is a theme we've been having through a lot of our episodes. Yeah, it's a major theme that we've been pressing now for the past, what, uh, two plus years. So, <laughs> That's right. So, so it's, it, you know, I think though, this is yet another example of the maturity of the space and that they they are being thought about as the resiliency factor being so critical into the approach. And, um, you know, just what's coming out of the, the, the national cybersecurity strategy is a great, great kind of example of that and pushing that kind of back into and saying, you know, again, critical infrastructure, 16 sectors. It's important to understand that the resiliency aspect needs to be tied into anything that you're doing with, um, with anything new. And again, even what you have is operational today. Well, I think the reality is we can no longer assume that we have um, a, a landscape where people are play nice, right? Mm -hmm. um, we have examples of what's going on between Ukraine and Russia, right? Where cyber is being used as one of the elements of war. Mm -hmm. And if we are in a conflict in the future, our adversary is most likely going to be leveraging cyber and you know, look for weaknesses in our infrastructure. And I don't believe in regulating in security. And I think it's going to be very mm -hmm. complex for some of these sectors because the diversity of the operators um, to be able to regulate it in. Um, but we've got to change the priority. And, um, you know, the, the voluntary approach doesn't seem to work. So whether it be through carrot or stick, yeah. in some way motivate um, each of these operators to raise their game um, because the time's running out. You know, I, I, it, it, it won't take much as we are seeing each of these sectors modernize and digitize. Uh, that tax surface as a result is also increasing. Very true. Very true. So, Stan, so you've released now several of these. What, what have you covered so far and kind of what's next? So, so far I've done healthcare, finance, energy, manufacturing transportation's on the way. So okay. uh, it's, it's driving to the gate as a, there you, go. you can imagine and, it. And where can our listeners get access to these? I think we'll go ahead and put them in the notes uh, of the podcast. So they should be Perfect. able to get the links to those so they can get to the blogs directly. Sounds like a plan. And I think um, I've read them. I love them. I think uh, one, one just coming up with the idea of doing the series uh, was great. Uh, but the the way you've mapped out the different examples have been very sound, meaning that you, you kind of lay out, you know, here's the specifics around each of the different sectors, and here are some different takeaways and thoughts that you can potentially you know put in place to help. It's been a great education for me too, because again, I've had experience in some of the sectors like finance and a little bit in transportation, um, a little bit in health, but I've done nothing in manufacturing. And mm -hmm. so just digging into it, trying to understand um, what the different, you know, attributes of that particular sector is, you know, and same thing with energy. I really haven't had any chance to work with energy, but very interesting what's going on there. Uh, so hopefully people get something out of it. Um, 
welcome to, to receive comments. So if, if I screwed something up, um, please let me know if you have other recommendations on things I should cover. Um, also highlight that. If you want to be a guest on the show, put it in there, let us know, and maybe we'll be able to, to take in and have as part of a conversation in a future episode. We'd love to have spe- sector specific episodes, right? Right. Definitely. Definitely. Well, again, always a good conversation. Thanks for sharing what you're doing. And till next time, everyone. Take care. Hello, producer Ben here, and you heard Rob and Stan refer to a few previous episodes of Reimagining Cyber, one of which was episode 22 with IoT security expert Kate Scarcella. I often talk about the internet world as colliding with the industrial world, and that the data no longer is isolated, and in fact it's being aggregated and being analyzed in the cloud. So everything has become much more public and available. And the ramification of this is that the attack surface has become immeasurable. And as a direct result, we see ransomware that is now a $6 trillion industry. And in fact, you know, we now even have ransomware as a service. That was from episode 22 called IoT, not just alphabet soup. Go take a listen to that and the many other editions we have in the Reimagining Cyber Library. Also, please take a moment to rate and review the show whilst you're there. Thanks for listening and goodbye.